I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. His name is Kevin Kreider. Fast forward 30 years, and he meets someone online by the name of Kelly Me Lee. Okay, so, you know, meet people online. Sounds good. She convinces him to move to Los Angeles. All right. She had found him in social media. And once she gets there, they're like BFFs, right? Kevin is welcomed by her into a group of wealthy socialite influencers who would soon become the subject of the hit Netflix show, Bling Empire. So if you don't know the show, it's like a, a real-life crazy rich Asians. It, it talks and takes viewers through their daily lives filled with shopping and romance and drama. However, not all is rosy and peachy because, you know, Netflix, if they've got a show, they need drama, right? The show makes it seem... Uh, certainly wonderful and a wonderful life. But some of these characters, including Kevin, are fighting internal demons. And Kreider actually gets to take viewers on his journey in his hunt for his biological parents and his struggle to overcome alcoholism. I am so thrilled to welcome Kevin to Everyone Talks to Liz. Kevin, thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks, Liz. That was a great introduction. Bling Empire, what a great name. I mean, you have to tell me, what is the latest drama? I mean, the the part with the bling in it. Yeah, so the latest <laughs> drama is just more, hey, did you get a, another car after you crashed it? <laughs> oh um, how are things between the rest of the castmates? Are you guys still friends? All of the chatter that kind of goes online. What do you think is so attractive to viewers about that part of the show? I think what it is is just the contrast and how someone like myself who can just come from Philadelphia, very middle class American and just get involved with this fantasy lifestyle. I think everybody wants a glamorous jet set lifestyle, at least for a little bit, right? Just to try it out. And then you get to actually try it on like a suit when you watch Wing Empire. You're just like, wow, that's either for me 
or you're watching it because you're thinking, oh, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> or you just feel better about your life because you think, oh, man, I'd rather have my problems than their stuff. Well, isn't that the, the saying, right? You, everybody throws their problems into a, a, a big pot in the middle and you end up taking back your own problems because you don't like other people's problems. Uh, yeah. You know, when you got to L.A., what did you think was going to happen? Did you think that you would go there? Because a lot of people head to Los Angeles with stars glittering in their eyes. And then they find out it's really hard. Look, I mean, I'm no different. I've tried to make my trip to L.A. a couple times in my lifetime. I remember eight years ago, seven years ago, I was talking to my ex. But now, I mean, she is my girlfriend now. But we were... Weird story, right? We were dating, we broke up, now we're back together. So what do you call that? Recurring girlfriend, I guess? <laughs> Repeat. Yeah, so Devon, who who people are familiar with in season three, her and I wanted to move to L.A. a long time ago. We were actors. We wanted to do our careers in TV and film. We wanted to represent Asian, Asian lead love stories mm-hmm. and just to be Asian leads out there. But... When I, we broke up, I tried to come out here again by myself and, you know, starstruck and wanting the, wanting to be in Hollywood and do TV and film. And I found that there was nothing. It was just very lonely. And I was sleeping at someone's place who was a friend, by the way, of a friend. And they were just like, hey, by the way, no one's using this house. You can sleep there, but they're in the middle of moving. So you're going to have to sleep on the the floor. Mm. But thank God the floor is rugged. So you can just sleep on it. So, <laughs> oh, by the way, there's no electricity. So I slept there for a week, just trying to find my way in Los Angeles. And, you know, nobody wants to like meet you. They just uh, want to just see who the next person is that can make them look good. Mm-hmm. And I definitely wasn't that person. So I, when I moved out to Los Angeles this other time, there's a little bit more hope, but I wasn't, I wasn't totally convinced. It was just more off of a leap of faith of just, Hey, you know what? I can always go back to Philadelphia or I'll just go to Southeast Asia and restart a career there, which was my original plan. I'll give this whole thing a year. And then my first month here, I was like, oh, man, I think I just want to give it three months. Then three months goes by. I was like, okay, give it six more months. Six months go by. Things are going good. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a year. Now things were doing good. I was like, Okay, give it five years. And then Hello, California. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Just it was just one of those things where when a TV show was happening, then it was like, oh wow, we might have something special. Mm. And then when we were doing Bling Empire and filming it, I knew we had something special in the first season. And and it seemed to my my intuition was right. Like the world has never seen anything like it at that time. And now it's just normal yeah whatever lifestyle i'm living or the feelings or starstruckness of los angeles it never really hit me this time around just because i had a more level head of hey this might not work right well that's the thing you know you you come in with different goals and different anticipations and then the realizations don't sometimes match the anticipation you talked about heading back to philadelphia at one point I'd actually like to take you way back to Philadelphia. Do you have yeah, any sure. um, memories of when you first discovered that your American parents were not your birth parents? Yeah, that was 
my parents tell me stories when I came off the plane with open arms. And they said that I just, they apparently I just knew that this was going to be my new family. They must have prepped me or talked to me mm-hmm. back in Korea because I was going off the plane saying, Amma, which means mom, Appa, which means dad. And so they told me that story. But my first memory of coming to the United States was in a plane. Uh, being led to the bathroom by someone who was sponsoring me at that mm. time. Basically, a sponsor meant like just getting me to America safely, soundly. Because you know I can't fly plane by myself, so they had somebody with me. But my a- actual real memory of uh, being in America was in the driveway. It was really dark and I was going into my home for the first time and I heard a dog and I just remember that dog jolting me into like consciousness. I was like, oh my God, this is like actually my first memory. Wow. Wow. And and tell me about the childhood that you had. Obviously, you needed to learn English, but you were so tiny. Yeah. So actually, I, I remember everything in English, even though I, I was speaking Korean up until probably five or six years old, uh, even from that memory of the dog and the, the the darkness I was telling you about in the driveway. And so then my upbringing was very just it was it felt normal until literally probably kindergarten, first grade. And I just felt like I was so different. And it was just because I went to school then. And that's where when you go into a white community in a school, you know, you're in their playground, you're in their territory, they're gonna, they're gonna make you feel like crap for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids are mean, they, they want to feel good or bad about people like they, they just bully, they say whatever is on their mind. And, you know, everything was pointed out why I was different. All the things they saw on TV about Asians at the time weren't flattering. It was like, really like, what's wax off, wax off, you know, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was very degrading. Um, Karate and kid. Yeah. Feel shamed. And so I didn't know all of that. I can only articulate it now. So like when a lot of people tell me, well, why didn't you say anything? I was like, dude, I was like five years old. <laughs> you expect somebody to be that emotionally intelligent and aware of their feelings and and any and confidence to vocalize that at right. five? Like that's so unrealistic. Well, of what did your parents hard. tell you? Did they they give you good advice? My parents didn't really know about it until probably probably grade school when I got interested in in, in girls. And then we'd talk a little bit and then be like, oh, no, this girl didn't like me because I was Asian. They'd be like, what? That's crazy, right? Or, oh, there's this guy literally going around the hallway, slanting his eyes and just, I'm so scared that every time I pass by him, he's going to say something racist. And But lo and behold, he usually does, right? Should have been used to it almost, but it just, it's still jolts and hurts you like you got stabbed in the heart every single time every every single time somebody does that to you so then you know as a kid you start to believe all of this it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy it's almost like repetition you know like these affirmations that is very popular going around when you start hearing it and people treat you a certain way you start to believe it there's just no other reality you live in but little did I know outside the white community that I lived in, there was real Asians, there was Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, like they were all tall. They're not all that short. Right. And so then you start to believe all the stereotypes and what you're exposed to. So I've, I grew up with very little self-esteem because of that. And yet you also grow up enough to think, wait a minute, 
let me start modeling. I could act. Because, yeah, I've seen your picture. You're a very, very attractive, good-looking guy. And how did that come about? Yeah, thank thank you for that. I think I think it was American <laughs> diet, but also to um there's there's a certain certain stubbornness about me that I definitely had when I came off the plane. My my mom always told me you're very stubborn. When you're hungry, you want to eat now. Um but you know, after getting beaten up a lot by people's bullying and words and just microaggressions or racist rejections, mm-hmm. I I started to get tired of it and I I looked at I don't know how I created the self-awareness, but I looked at how I even treated my own race being in a white racist community at times, or not even racist, I want to say. It's just more like they were very ignorant. And they thought that making fun of Asians or bullying was just normal. And so when I started to feel the same way, I was like, there's something really inherently wrong with this. Like if I can't, look at myself and my own people in a loving way and love who I am, right? How how do I expect other people to? It was this like push-pull of, oh, God, I don't want to feel like, I don't want to look like one of them. I don't want to be one of them. But if I don't want to be one of them, how will I ever be accepted? Mm. Or how will I be not seen as second tier or lowest on the totem pole? So then after a while, I just started to see where I got these images from. And it's like, oh, it's TV, it's film, it's modeling. And I was six feet tall back in seventh grade even. And so a lot of people are like, you should you should consider modeling. And it wasn't because I, they thought I was attracted, just because I was so tall at the time. They're like, you know, models are tall. And now models are even taller now. They're like six two to six four. Six feet's like on the short end now. But six feet back then was really a nice height for models. And so then I got into uh, modeling because my mom pointed out um, this one model named Tyson Beckford. Mm-hmm. Uh, in African-American. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, by the way, he's half Asian and girls love his eyes, just like yours. And I was just Aww. like, it, it was like one of those things where I was like, wow, well, maybe I could. Right. And then I think it was upbringing that gave me a little bit more confidence. Like my parents instilled more confidence in me. Um, and same with just seeing other people have more confidence right. you start to pick up their behaviors a little bit more, even though they're the same people actually beating you down. Right. But then I, I came to a place where succeeding in fitness and personal training and winning bodybuilding shows, like I built more confidence in myself. I was like, wow, I can do this. And, and then I was like, I'm going to nail the modeling game because there aren't any other Asians out there to represent this. And if I'm not going to try, then what else do we have? Sure. There's nobody really. And then there was somebody and I was like, wait, we can we can we can do this. It, it's not a career just privileged to white people. This is Everyone Talks to Liz and we're going to be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates 
candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And isn't it great when you get to a big metropolis like New York or Los Angeles and suddenly everybody's something. Yeah. Everybody came from somewhere else and it just is, it's like a, well, this is so cliche, but melting pot. I mean, I'm from LA. I had friends of all kinds because it's a big, open-minded city and it's just awesome. And here you are, you, you get introduced to Anna and Kane and Kim and Cherie and Jamie and Christine, all of the the cast members of Bling Empire. And you realize, wait a minute, these people are confident, they are wealthy, they have fun, and people want to watch how they live. That must have been really cool for you. Well, you know, I got to tell you, not all of them are confident. A lot of uh, stuff happens that, you know, you overcompensate for lack of confidence, actually. Right. Um, I found that some of the castmates came from a lack of feeling like good enough about their parents or uh, because of their parents. They were so successful. So they felt insecure about their own position in life. Mm-hmm. Um but I would say that my journey didn't start off like that. It was, you know, I was beaten up in New York. I I mean, I hit rock bottom. I lost a lot of my life, my identity of who I was, lost more confidence, money, my hair even from alopecia areata at one time. It wasn't until I actually went to Los Angeles in a place where I was like, oh, my God, this place is more vain, more <laughs> famous. Everybody's Everybody's everything more than I am. And I'm like, I come here and it's like all of a sudden. Like, I just start thriving. It's weird, right? But at that time, I stopped caring about that stuff. I was like, you know what? I don't need to be like everybody else. I just need to be myself. And being myself and being a better version of myself, I should say, right? Uh, Being a better version of myself actually paid off at the end. Well, And so when I met these people, I think they were expecting me to be a certain way, right? Like maybe impressed by their flash, which by the way, it's a lot of money. When I like get really awestruck, it's more like, oh my God, I can't believe, it's almost like I almost feel like saying, I can't believe you're that dumb to spend a million dollars on that, right? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make no sense. (laughs) So when when I say like, oh my God, like people think I'm like envious of it. I'm like, no, oh my God. Like, do you know what I could do with $1.2 million other than spending on a piece of jewelry? I I I would invest in other Asian Americans or minority or struggling. Well, people see, that's that's why the alchemy of the show works so well because you're there, right? You can't have all cotton candy and dessert. You got to have some steak with the sizzle, and right. so it isn't you know all just shopping and bling. And a great portion of the reason for that is because of you, because during one episode recently. You decided I'm I'm going to go try and find my birth parents. Talk about that journey. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing that I really appreciated about the show is that it let me tell my stories that mm-hmm. I wanted unfiltered. I wasn't really 
my journey of finding my birth parents is longer than just what we filmed on Bling Empire. It was actually been something that I was trying out since probably 2009, 10, but then been to Korea, laws change. The What I mean by the laws change is that sometimes they set up laws to protect the parents uh, from the kids reaching out. Got it. But then it's the illegal for them to give you some information on people or to reach out or do any of these things. So things have changed quite a bit since I tried back in 2009, lost communication with a lot of people in Korea just because of turnover. So I stopped and then Bling Empire happened where they're like, Hey, did you ever think about, I was like, yeah, I'd love to rediscover that actually, because now that I'm in Los Angeles, I'm a little bit closer to Asia. So Mm -hmm. the time difference, I can hop over there easier uh, I, I'm now more engrossed in Asian community, so I understand like what it's like to be Asian more. I'm more comfortable being Asian, so let's do this. And then um, I started to dig into my past papers, found new people to help me out. And once again, though, it just seems like Korean laws are very different than American laws. You know, like just because you know someone's name doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean jack crap over in Korea. It's like well. You know, they got to reach out to you. That's every single answer I've pretty much got. You never found them yet? No, never found them. But, I mean, in the third season, you can see that I found a relative. It was a, it was a first cousin. So that was the closest I've, I've come so far. What but was that, that like? Hold on. We got to hear that. I mean, that well, it was such a huge relief because that was 13 years of searching mm. for anything. So when you found somebody who has any genetic identity towards you and when i mean any i mean a little bit more than 0.25 percent genetic identity like we had like nine or ten percent genetic identity or something crazy it's a little it's so surreal you feel like a monkey almost just wanting to like you know circle each other touch each other's hair like see if it's real like it was just really really surreal and you felt like a lot of the answers were answered it's almost like you don't really close a chapter on that life but you're like okay this was worth it i'm i'm deeply touched by this and and affected by this because i can only imagine that when you met this cousin male female 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 you must have had a million questions for her oh my god we did like it wasn't enough for tv land to actually put it in the show just because it'd be so boring, right? It was like, oh my God, do you have a family? Do you have kids? Like all this <laughs> stuff. It's like, hey, what what was it like? Hey, what are you trying? Like how long have you been trying? All these questions that you, that you just can't have it all in one session. What was the most important crux of what happened meeting her? I think it was realizing that I had a family biologically even though emotionally you don't feel that close but you feel close enough where you're like okay we're family and just like family though even for me i don't it's not like i talk to my family every day or every week you just know they're there you just know that you could probably call them up anytime and they'll answer and you can call them i still feel that way with my cousin we just don't talk that much anymore you know you had a years-long pretty brutal battle with alcoholism when yeah. when did you realize that you would hit rock bottom and how much of your lack of knowing that chunk of your identity drove you to alcoholism, if if you could guess? Yeah, I would probably say a lot of my identity problems led to alcoholism. 
what I learned about alcoholism is that it's more about feeling comfortable in your own skin. Mm. That's why a lot of people use alcohol to numb themselves, to feel better, to be a better version of themselves with just drinking alcohol. You could just do that. But it eventually what ended up happening with me is that I used it as my main tool. It became my identity to become the person that I thought I wanted to be. And then you drink too much and you realize, oh, crap, why isn't this working anymore? And it just took me it took me years to figure out that it was not working. Right. And then the rock bottom really happened when I was back in New York and I had to come back home to Philadelphia. And then my rock bottom kind of got dragged along for a little bit. Um, I didn't realize you know, staying away from alcohol wasn't just the problem. Like I had to do something about it mm. and the solutions and the 12 steps, right. Of uh, a recovery program. And then met my girlfriend at the time, um, Devon. Well, she's still my girlfriend going back to that first part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, she, the recurring, I, the recurring relationship. Yeah. The recurring, she and I dated, you know, I fell head over heels, never felt this way before. But I felt scared because I knew I had a problem and I knew I needed to get help. And I just started and I knew I couldn't really get better unless we let go of each other. I see. It was one of the biggest decisions I made at the time because I was like, oh, no, like, how, how can I trust it? This will come back to me. It may not. Right. And then we broke up and I realized, OK, this is it. This is the time to heal, to get better. So then I went into recovery, um, dealt with my alcoholism, my addictions, myself, my uh, self-loathing, my insecurities, my fears, everything. Uh, sounds like a lot to deal with, but it was, for, you know, and I got better and started to live a life beyond my wildest dreams. Well, see, you know, the strength that it takes to do that is why you are on our podcast, because this is all about the climb and and the falls, which can be pretty darn brutal. But there's always a silver lining, and we find that here on Everyone Talks to Liz. And part of that silver lining is that it drove you to entrepreneurialism. You have a beverage, a beverage venture called Sans, right? That's French for without. Thank you very much. That's That's a year abroad in Paris for me at the Sorbonne. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tell us about the beverage, because it does have a little bit to do with the silver lining out of alcoholism, doesn't it? Totally, 100%. And there's a lot of actual silver linings from alcoholism. First of all, I got to see a life 
not around alcohol anymore and realized for me, it was actually one of the most beautiful, uh, self-empowering things I could have ever done is to get sober and to live a life without it. Like it was just because all of this stuff was my own doing anyway. And I drank more thinking things would get better because that's what we see in TV, film, media, right? Like it's going to be better. Here's a glass of whatever, your favorite wine or liquor, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not against alcohol. It was just that that mm-hmm. illusion that it's going to be the cure and the help for everything and the lifestyle. I was like, eh, you know, maybe that's why I won't get sober. But then I got sober. I was like, oh, this is a myth, actually. It's So I wanted to unveil what recovery and alcoholism really is and living a life with alcoholism, right? It's not doom and gloom. It's actually not something I really think about that much. I think about- fantastic. Other things in life, right? Like, hey, how am I going to have a great, healthy relationship with my girlfriend, right? Or like, how am I going to use this platform in a positive way? And so what I realized is I took one of my biggest passions I've ever had in life and things that I wanted to see change because I did it with the Asian community. I wanted to see Asians seen in a better light in modeling, movies, TV, film. And I, I pursued that wholeheartedly. And it got me in a great place where I was able to be on Bling Empire. Because that's how Kelly found me, because she found one of my videos I did um, on the stage uh, talking about Asian masculinity. And she's like, oh, we want somebody like that in my friend group, maybe on the show. So mm. then that's why she got in touch with me. So then I did the same thing with alcoholism. I was like, people, it's misrepresented 100% in TV and film. But the media sets the mindset of how people view things. So if I can change that in Bling Empire and share my story and be like, oh my God, wait, he was going to these parties sober? Like he was doing all these fun things, living this jet set life sober? Like I thought that's not what sober life is about. And I'm like, no, sober life doesn't mean you are limited in life. It's like you can do anything in life you want. And so I wanted to show that. And then I realized in the beverage space, the problem with a lot of beverages is they look like alcohol, but then I just want something that resembles sobriety. So then I created the beverage company called Tajin Beverage. That's my actual beverage company's name. And I was like, you know what? This beverage should be called Sans, you know, a conversational beverage Sans, because conversational beverage is a new category I wanted to create where Anytime there's a conversation where alcohol could have been, you have an option. You have an alternative to still be part of the conversation with this beverage. I love this. I love this. I hope everybody can find it soon on all the shelves. Yeah. So we're we're, we're really hitting the shelves hard. Um, Where can people find it? So you can buy it online right now, but we're actually in certain retail stores uh, that only do non-ALK, actually. Okay. So it's uh, called Boisson. There's a retail store um, in New York and Los Angeles. And um, we just got accepted to some other ones in, in Los Angeles uh, that are health food stores. So you just got to look out in California and go on the website and you can see where we're at. You know. Shakespeare said, it's an ill wind that blows no good, meaning there's it's really something horrible if nothing good comes out of it. Something good always comes out of something bad if you're that person who gets back up and hunts for it. As we finish up, Kevin, what's your goal in life right now? I mean, you've got the hit show, you're starting a company. What else is out there for you? 
you know, I think really my main focus is the company, the the beverage to empower and normalize sobriety and people who don't drink. That's that's my main mission right now. And I say mission because that's what drives me. It's something that's meaningful that I know can help other people. Uh, I think my next venture then, along with the beverage, is to start telling Asian lead love stories. Uh, me and my girlfriend, Devon, actually started up our own production company for Asian leads and, and, and love storytelling because, you know, love drives us. Uh, it's what brought us back together. It's what got me sober. So then that's something that we want to share to the world and to tell our own stories, not let other people tell our stories for us. Um, or at least have a chance to tell our own story. So that's something that I really want to bring to the world. I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly cheer you on. And I love your story. It is so rife with so many different facets. It's like a gigantic diamond that is, is shining in all different ways. And I so appreciate you sharing it with us, Kevin. Thank yeah, you. And talk Talk about like turning in silver linings. It's like, you know, we didn't see me and my girlfriend didn't see too many Asian leads in general in rom-coms or romantic stories. So we were like, okay, let's create a production company. All's production. It was just very simple and easy for us to do. Um, and so that's what we're leading into. So talk about taking, you know, getting beaten down finding an opportunity there. That's what we're doing as well with that. Well, you can either get a choice. You can either whine or you can do. Yeah. Can't stand people who complain. I love people who do, meaning get out there and do something to change it. And we'll be watching and cheering you on. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my gosh. And, and everyone needs to watch Bling Empire because, I mean, okay, one of my favorite movies has to be Crazy Rich Asians because it opened a window into something that's been around for a long time, but it was a huge hit. People love to see different cultures and how they work. And, and listen, Paris Hilton back in the 80s or when, whenever that was, 90s, I can't even remember. But yeah, let's see what happens on Bling Empire. And uh, I love Kevin's story. And I really like you guys because... Our podcast is getting more and more attention and more and more success. And you guys are the originals. Thank you for yeah. listening. I truly appreciate it. And I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Claiming Countdown. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.